2: We're a culture of people who demand our rights. I mean, that's that's the reality of who we are. We demand our rights. And if we don't get our rights, then we'll go on strike, or we'll bring a lawsuit, or whatever is necessary to make sure that our rights are taken care of. We're a culture of people who read words like these about submitting ourselves and honoring the king, and we begin to make excuses of why we can't do that, rather than looking for opportunities that we can do that, and how we can fulfill what God is telling us to do.
0: The United States is a nation that believes in the individual rights of its citizens. Therefore, when the Bible teaches on submission to God and earthly authority, it can make us bristle uncomfortably. In today's message, Pastor David teaches us that Christians are called to live a life of submission to Christ in all humility. Jesus is our King and Lord, and we must obey and submit to His absolute authority in our lives. The good news is that as we submit to the Lord, forsaking our rights and will, we gain abundant life and blessing. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message, Kingdom Living, from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2.
2: It was during that last week of Jesus's ministry, that again, as he's ministering there in the temple, and as all of the detractors came, the, the Jewish leadership trying to look for every opportunity they could to cause Jesus to stumble, that a group of them came to Jesus. as It was the disciples of the Pharisees along with the group that's called the Herodians. Now, the Herodians primarily were Jews that have Pretty well sold out. they sold out to the Greek culture around them. They were almost more uh, roman ish than they were Jewish. But here we have the disciples of the Pharisees coming with the Herodians, and you think these two groups normally they don 't play well together at all. it 's like trying to do something with Democrats and Republicans together, but uh, it's actually even worse than that, if you can imagine. And they come together to try and stumble Jesus up. They try to trick him. We read about it in Matthew 22. And in Matthew 22, as this group comes to him, they come to him, down in verse 16, and they say, oh, teacher, oh, we know that you are true. And and you can just kind of see the sappiness dripping off of them, I believe, as they're speaking these things. We know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now they think that they've got Jesus in a spot. They think that they put him between that proverbial rock and a hard spot, and yet Jesus is the rock, and he can go through every hard spot that there is. And Jesus, knowing and understanding their heart, that they didn't really have an honest question, Jesus knew that they were trying to stumble him up. And so he responds to them. He says, why do you test me, you hypocrites? I love how Jesus is politically correct, don't you? (laughs) He says, show me the tax money. And so they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? So they said to him, Caesar's. And he said then, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. When they heard these words, they marveled and they left him and they went on their way. Curses foiled again. You see, the coin was part of man's creation and it had the image of a man placed upon it, Caesar. And it represented the world's system. But humanity, we're part of God's. Creation, and As a matter of fact, he says, let us create man in what? Our image. We have the image of God placed within us and upon us. And we're part of that eternal kingdom of what God's plan is. We were made for his glory. So here we are as believers. This isn't true for everyone who is created because many are Create our, All of humanity was created in his image, but not all of humanity has come to faith in Christ. But here we are as believers. We're created by God in the image of God for the glory of God, and we're citizens now through faith in Christ. We are citizens of that heavenly kingdom. And yet, as we've been studying in First Peter, which is actually where we're at this morning, We've been talking about the fact that Peter says that we are sojourners, we're pilgrims, we're strangers, we're foreigners in this land. And last week I asked you the question as we were looking into chapter 2 of First Peter, I asked you the question, how do we as a citizen of heaven live out our life in this foreign land? How do I do that in an effectual way? And if you remember part of that answer, we found it in First Peter chapter 2, in verses 11 and 12. And Peter writes to them there, he says, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, first of all, abstain from fleshly lusts. He says down in verse 12, you need to have your conduct honorable. And still in verse 12, he speaks about our good works. All of these things we spoke about last week that's part of that process of you and I living out kingdom life here in this foreign land. We're in this foreign land, and it's interesting that at times while we're here in this land, this land is is actually can be very amiable, sometimes very even friendly to the values that you and I hold dear. And I know that there are times, but for the most part... It continues to move further and further and further away from the influences of God's word and of God's kingdom's principles. That's the land that we're in. And with that growing hostility that's that's in this land, and we've spoken about this over the last several weeks, that it continues to grow, it continues to, to stand and, and, and literally grow darker even in our own country. With that kind of hostility that continues to grow, I feel that you and I as believers, we need to take a new look at how we're going to impact the land that we're in. We need to take a new look at what our position is in this land. And in first Peter chapter two, verse 13, Peter writes to these people who are living in a land that is openly hostile. To the kingdom of God and to the things of God. And this is where he continues to speak about how you and I, even as believers here in this land, need to maintain that kingdom living. In verse 13, he writes, therefore submit yourselves, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Rather to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Now, for you and I in the Western culture, these words aren't necessarily real comfortable for us. In fact, it kind of stretches us a little bit. But, beloved, that's what true kingdom living is about, being stretched out of our comfort zone. I mean, let's face it, here in the West, we're a culture of people who demand our rights, I mean, that's that's the reality of who we are. We demand our rights. And if we don't get our rights, then we'll go on strike or we'll bring a lawsuit or whatever is necessary to make sure that our rights are taken care of. We're a culture of people who read words like these about submitting ourselves and honoring the king, and we begin to make excuses of why we can't do that rather than looking for opportunities that we can do that and how we can fulfill what God is telling us to do. And because we've been blessed with so much freedom within this land, I believe that a lot of times we take those freedoms very much for granted. We 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 don't recognize the greatness of the freedoms that we have. And our relative freedoms, we have a hard time figuring out how words like this really apply to us. Sure, we can submit ourselves to the ordinance of man as long as we agree with him, right? Sure, we can honor the king as long as he's from our political party. And absolutely, we can live our lives as bondservants to the Lord. As long as God keeps us physically safe, as long as he allows us to sleep, as long as he doesn't require us to move out of our comfort zones. Sure, I'll submit to God, as long as it doesn't cost me anything. The problem we have really is is our failure to look at, at the bigger picture of what's going on. We worry too much, we, and I'm throwing myself in this big boat, okay? We worry too much about the temporary... Details while God is working on this huge, wide canvas of His creation, of His kingdom's plan and purpose, much longer, much larger, much grander than just that small little portion that we are a part of. And we worry about our details. God is speaking here through Peter about kingdom living. He's speaking about kingdom principles, and we can't miss this. We can't simply skim over this and say it doesn't apply because it does apply to us. It applies to us as citizens of heaven living in this foreign land. And remember, last week we talked about how we are called a peculiar people. Well, this is part of that peculiarity that we need to be, that though we are citizens of heaven, yet we also submit ourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, rather to the king is supreme or to governors. We honor the king. I'm not getting a whole lot of amens out of this morning's <laughs> message. I, un- I understand that. I, I understood that as I was preparing for it. This isn't one of those, you're right on, preacher. Go for it. Yeah. The life of humility and the life of submission is what kingdom living is all about. It's a life that sometimes gets directed into places of great discomfort. Oh, but God wouldn't put me in a place that was uncomfortable, would he? For me as, as his child, he wouldn't lead me to a place that was unpleasant to be in, would he? If you don't know the answer to that question, you probably need to read your Bible a little bit more, okay? Because the fact is, is that's exactly what God does. Because refining and purifying is always, always an uncomfortable position. And beloved, every one of us, every one of us need to be refined and purified. Oh, pastor, I've already been through the furnace. You just can't believe my day yesterday. Beloved, it it is a life of purifying. It is a life of refining. While we're here, we're going through that process. Oh, hey, I I know some days are harder than others. I understand that. But for all of us, if we are actually going to be used by God in any way, he will bring us into that refining, that purifying process. To help drive the matter out. A little bit deeper into home, keep your place in First Peter and go with me if you would over to Romans chapter thirteen. now, if you 're ever going to lead a Bible study in prison or in jail don 't start off with Romans thirteen okay <laughs> just kind of a, a hint for you there. Kind of give you a little bit of encouragement. You don't want that to be the first study that you do in prison or in jail. Okay, Now, you need to get there eventually because they need to hear it. But don't start out with this one. Because in Romans chapter 13, Paul, speaking to all of us, he writes these words, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. How many of you understand that is the word of God that's still relevant for us today? Verse 2 says, Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Again, if you're doing a prison or a a jail ministry, at this point in time you just want to look up and smile real big, okay? Because you want them to know that you're not like, Condemning them. You're just reading the word of God. This isn't your idea. This is God's idea. (laughs) But we go on with it. Verse 3 says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Then do what is good, and you'll have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, (laughs) be afraid, be very afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, now I'm really stepping on toes, because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs are due, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Sounds a whole lot like what Jesus said when he says, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. This whole submission to authority thing, this, beloved, this is true Kingdom living, and it goes against the grain of so many of us, and some of us more than others. But the fact is, is we don't have the nature of submission, do we? We have a nature of rebelling and wanting my own way. But kingdom living changes that. This is when our heavenly citizenship really kicks in, and the flesh needs to be brought Under control, but you might be saying, Well, that's pretty easy for Peter and Paul to say they don't know what we're dealing with here. After all, we've got a liberal in the White House. Really? We do that, but do you know what was going on in the first century? The time that Jesus spoke that about rendering to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. The time that Paul wrote the book of Romans. The time that Peter is writing to us here in First Peter. The Roman Empire was controlled by the Caesars. These men were godless pagans who would execute Christians just for sport. It was shortly after the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus in AD 37, when Gaius Caesar was named empire, or emperor of the Roman Empire. Now, Gaius Caesar, you may not remember that name. You may know him a little bit better by his nickname called Little Boots, which in Greek is Caligula. Caligula, one of the worst of the worst, profane, profane, of the profane, gross of the gross, absolutely filled with murder, immorality, and total disregard for anything that was right and pure. Well, he reigned from about AD 37 to AD 41. He was assassinated, by the way. Well, after Caligula's death, his uncle Claudius became the emperor. And shortly after becoming the emperor, Claudius had his first wife executed because she had conspired to kill him. And then he decided he still needs to be married, so he marries his niece, who had been married prior to another family member. And his niece, Agrippina the Younger, she had a son from a previous marriage, and his name was Lucius Domitius, another name you ought to be familiar with. He also went by another name, a fellow by the name of Nero. Now after Claudius adopts Nero as his own son, he puts then Nero in line to be the next emperor of Rome. And legend has it that now Claudius' wife, Agrippina, she poisons Claudius by feeding him Poisoned mushrooms and while he's trying to extract the poisoned mushrooms because his whole system is fighting against it. The way that they did it back then is they would take a feather and stick it down their throat to try and get the poison out. She wanted to help him so she was the one who was giving him feathers to do that. And before she gave him the feathers she would dip it in more poison and give it to him. Well after he died her son Nero then became Caesar. Caesar. But shortly after Nero became Caesar, he murdered his mom because he couldn't trust her. (laughs) Then in the year of 8064, around the time of the writing of 1 Peter, as Peter is saying, hey, you know what? You need to honor the king. Around that time was the great fire of Rome that lasted for six days and seven nights. Ten out of 14 districts within Rome were damaged, some of them completely destroyed. And rumors circulated that during that time, Nero was kind of fiddling around. He was dancing and partying during that time. So to kind of avert the attention from him, Nero blamed the Christians and had uh, many of them arrested and then fed to lions or crucified I say all that for you to understand what was going on in the world, in the world that Paul and Peter were living in when they said these things and this call for you and I, for the children of the heavenly kingdom living as foreigners and sojourners, that we need to honor the king. And we're worried about the agenda of the liberals. And, beloved, I'm not saying we shouldn't be Concern, But this kind of brings it, hopefully, a little bit more into perspective for us to understand that where we're at, we still have a tremendous amount of freedoms. The Bible wasn't written during the 21st century and directly to middle-class America. But it is appropriate for us, and God expects us to take it And apply it within our lives. It was written originally to a people whose entire life was under the absolute oppression of a total pagan government. And yet they don't change the words. Peter and Paul write the truth and the principles for that people But it's also written for you and I to urge us as citizens of the heavenly kingdom to, as Peter says, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, rather to the king as supreme or to governors. Honor the king.
0: Thanks for tuning in today for Pastor David Landry's verse by verse study through the book of 1 Peter here on the Open Word. We're glad we're able to bring you these teachings straight from God's Word, but we're even more glad you chose to spend time with us today. We love hearing from our listeners, so please give us a call if you have a moment. Our phone number here is 520 836 9676. That's 520 836 9676. Let us know too how we can be praying for you. Are you a part of a local church? Joining and actively getting involved in a local body of believers is a great way to grow in your faith. It's a place where you can learn about the power and love of the Savior and ask questions among other imperfect, seeking people. You'll find support in times of need and be able to offer help to others in your own unique way. If you have yet to find a local church in your area, we'd encourage you to start looking today. And if you're in the Casa Grande area, Pastor David has a special invitation
2: for you. Hey, thanks, Chris. You know, I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Word of God. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning, as well as Wednesday evening and Saturday evening at 6.30. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you.
0: Thanks, Pastor David. Join us next time for another edition of The Open Word.